Your Van Seas Weekly, the home for info and insight on the Vancouver Canadians and all Toronto Blue Jays minor league prospects. Hosted by Greg Ballack and Charlie Caskey. Well, the Your Van Seas podcast is finally back. Episode 20, it took a while to get to this milestone, uh, but we've officially made it, Charlie, and it's, it's going to be a long recap of uh, what we've been doing in the last, oh, two and a half months since the last show. Well, I think I didn't I jump the gun when I put 19 up on my site. I actually called it episode 20. You corrected me, but I was too lazy to actually <laughs> fix it on my site. So, Well, we're, we're going to bring Mentalk on, who is you and Ross of Blue Jays Plus. Uh, Mentalk on Twitter, M-E-N-T-O-C-H. And, uh, but the first hour is going to be just us recapping what's been going on in our fantastic lives uh, since the last show. So why don't you get going? And, and Well, no, yeah. I want to talk about your <laughs> softball game that you've just completed. Um that should take 20 minutes at least. To go I don't it. want to talk about it. And it was no, no comment. Goal tennings, we can talk about Glenn Healy's diatribe about Andre Vasilevsky tonight, <laughs> and then we'll oh, go from there. God. Jesus Christ. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we got you on already. Yeah. We tricked everyone. So you and this is this is your third time on the show, which either speaks to your awesomeness as a guest or our laziness of going out and sourcing new guests. Clearly the first both. one. The first one. I'm going to sure. go um yeah, option A. <laughs> But uh, it's the second annual you and Ross draft show, we'll, the draft we'll show, that. I like and that. <laughs> I couldn't think of anyone better to have on the show for that purpose because the covers of of, of your guys' site, bluejaysplus.com, has been um, has been excellent in regards to the draft, and and you've been a big hand, a big part of that. So yeah, we put in a, we put in a whole bunch of work this year. Um, it's a whole team effort. <laughs> when you have eight guys writing for you, it's sort of helps out there. Mm-hmm. So I'd, not to go, I don't know if you read that article from the McCovey Chronicles where he gave every team an A, <laughs> yeah. and it was actually a, a rather hilarious article. No, no, not every team. He gave the Dodgers an F. Oh, did he? Oh, I didn't <laughs> see that. I sort of, I breezed through it. I didn't have much time to read it, but I thought it was quite funny, the, the blurbs I read, especially the, uh, and as we mentioned off air, I'm working without Wi-Fi right now, so memory, the first Canadian Oof. picks by the Marlins where they compared him to Matt Stairs, who played second and short in the minor leagues. and um, Yeah, anyways, it was funny. But That's not as bad as Sportsnet, who said that he was the next in the line of Connor McDavid and Andrew Wiggins. Oh, Josh Naylor. <laughs> the name just came to me. It's Josh Naylor. Yeah, who, I was right, yes. A first baseman with loads and loads of power, and there's a whole bunch of questions about what else he has going on. Well, well, at least I, at least Harold Reynolds didn't compare him to Troy Tulowitzki, like he seems to like to do. But. <laughs> well, he had three shortstops right off the off. Harold Reynolds off of the draft show <laughs> for three straight years. He <laughs> managed to butcher it again this year, but oh well. So, what did you think? Give us your first impressions of the draft. We'll start. We'll start the draft as as Greg said. We've got tons to talk about, but let's let's start with the draft and go from there. Yeah. From a Jays perspective? Yeah, I mean, obviously it doesn't have the sexiness of, of, I mean, last year we were creaming in our pants, weren't we? They had the ninth <laughs> and 11th pick, and, you know, they got a potential 1-1 at 9, and an athletic, you know, catcher that was going to stick, we thought, at catcher. Now we mm-hmm. can't even play, stick on the field, let alone catcher. Yeah, let's not talk Max Pentecost. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's leave that for now. But what did you think of, of the Jays, you know, obviously... It's still a fairly exciting haul for the Jays because even though they were picking at 29, they got a pitcher in John Harris, a right-handed pitcher out of Missouri State, who was projected by most people to go in the top 15. Um, 
a couple guys I talked to today said that he that they could see him having a Brandon Finnegan path this year and maybe being up. Knowing the Jays, I can't see that being what they'll do. But he's a very polished right-handed pitcher, and it, it's nice to see the team after you know swinging for the fences for you know most of Anthopolis' history, going for a guy who's got a little bit higher of a floor, but mm-hmm. still does have quite a bit of a ceiling as well. Now, it's exciting when a guy that's projected to go higher falls to you, but it also begs the question, why did he end up falling You know, 14 picks later than some people had him projected? This year's draft, I, I agree, that is usually concerning. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the time when that happens, there'll be signability concerns, like you saw with Mike Cameron's kid, Daz Cameron, who went in, in the 30s somewhere after being a top-five pick mm-hmm. or projected. But in this year's draft, because it was such a, frankly, a weak draft, I think you saw a lot of teams have wildly different boards than most people thought. So I'm not sure why he slipped because he doesn't seem like the type of guy who would have varying opinions on him. He's a, he's a polished college right-hander. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen many people dislike it. So, Hey, I'm on board. The thing, the thing for me, sorry, Greg, is even though he's, he's college, he's a junior, so 21 or whatever he is, you know, he's 6'4", 175, so he still fits into that mold of a Blue Jays pitcher. Mm-hmm. You know, he's projectable. He still could put on a bit of muscle or, or weight or whatever onto his frame, and, and all his pitches could even uptick still. Well, and that's the upside of him right now is that he he's a guy with four potentially above average pitches or average or above average pitches. He doesn't necessarily have one standout pitch like you saw last year with Hoffman and his curveball, but he's a well-rounded, polished kid. And, you know, essentially the only other guy on the board who was even close to as highly rated as him was Daz Cameron that I mentioned. And there was no way the Jays could have signed him because they didn't have enough money. Mm-hmm. So this is about as good as it could have gotten out of the 29th pick. And wasn't it, was it Jim Callis on the MLB network that when the pick was made, he said he, he didn't know why he ended up dropping that low. He was texting around asking everyone, you know, what, what's the reason? And he couldn't really figure it out. So I guess, that's a good thing. <laughs> well, Callis was really high on him, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He yeah, said it was Cal- a steal. Callis had him as the, in the top 10 uh, or wow. around there. Actually, Keith Law was, was high on him as well. It was, it was funny because Keith Law is the most negative of, of pundits <laughs> in my view um, when it comes to at least... you probably agree with that. You know, I, I sort of <laughs> silo, obviously, only Blue Jay stuff. And he was really high on not only Harris, but a guy we can maybe talk about in a minute, but third-rounder Justin... Maïs? Is that how you say it? Maïsi. Maïsi. Now, well, we might as well talk about him now. He was, he was a pop-up pick, as, as you guys said on your site. Um, a guy that sort of came out of nowhere, pitched in West Texas. Um, uh, Keith Law had him really high. Um, again, you know, Blue Jays through and through, big, projectable, you know, basketball size. Is this, you, you know, where, where do the kids like this go from here? When you're taking high school pitchers, that's the big question because you'll see a guy like Cole Stewart, who was the fourth pick in the draft two years ago, who everyone thought was the best pitcher in the draft, and he's you know essentially flamed out in low A at the moment. 
and then you'll see other guys rocket through the system really quickly. So, you know, doing what the Jays have done, they just add as many of these guys as they can, mm. and they seem to just be loading up on as many pitchers as possible. I, I got to say that the pop-up factor of him, a guy who, you know, no one really liked before this, and all of a sudden he's added miles an hour to his fastball, those always worry me. I'm... I don't have any basis for this, but I my elbow hurts thinking about that. Um, <laughs> well, we that's t- what we thought with Phil Bickford. Well, yeah, no, we talked about this with Nick Wells last year as well, a guy that spiked his fastball. You know, he attributed it to a workout regime with a, a wrestler, I think, on his high school uh, from his high school team. Um, and you can even say it about the Jays' second round pick this year, Brady Singer. He's a guy that wasn't really there or thereabouts, but then upticked his fastball a bit. You know and ballooned himself up into the second round. This is, it is what it is, I guess. You know, the, the Jays obviously, you know, they like the projectability. They want to they get the project. They think that if they get him into the system, they can work with him. But like you say, it, it oftentimes can flame out before we even get a chance to see him here in Vancouver. This is really what I like what the Jays are doing, though, is because they're, I mean, their first three picks this year were all pitchers. Uh, we saw Hoffman last year. We saw, you know, they just have, so many hard throwing pitchers that even though we all know that, you know, probably three quarters of them will have their elbows cut on, you know, some of those guys are going to make it through the fire and get up to the big leagues. So you'll get Roberto Osuna making an impact with the Jays this year and, you know, Dan Norris and Miguel Castro, who we briefly saw previously. But you just add bullets to the gun and some of them are going to hit. Well, when you look at the, the top four picks that the Jays had this year, uh, yeah, John Harris is the first pick, Brady Singer the second, Justin Macy as the third, and then Carl Wise uh, as the fourth. That's the it goes uh, college age, high school, high school, college. What does the signability look like? Look like for those? Obviously, the college guys are, are likely to sign. But what about the two high schoolers? Is there any early indication of Singer and Macy if they're going to be they're going to sign? sign. They're, yeah? they're, def- they're definitely going to sign. Okay. I mean, you're not taking guys in the second and third round who aren't going to sign, unless you know. Unless there's something found in their medicals, um, it looks like Harris has already has already signed. Yeah, I saw uh, that. <laughs> it's a good which, sign. Well, it's a good <laughs> sign for the Jays. It's it's a bad sign if I was hoping to see him in Vancouver this year because mm. if he's already signed, he's going to be going to Lansing, maybe to Dunedin, and I, I don't really think we had much of a chance to see him anyway because he was polished. But it, it looks like all three of those guys are going to sign. Definitely, I would uh, say. I understand what you're saying, but you know, with the the Canadians lineup is going to be um, up here in Vancouver on the 15th Monday, so we're only three or four days. Of, what, what are we now? Five days away from that. So we still got to go to Dunedin. He's still got to do his medicals, do this, that, and the other thing. So I I still think there's a chance. It's not as great a chance. I think you and I were talking about this on Twitter that Carl Wise is a dead cert for Vancouver, unless of course they decided to make him change positions now rather than later. Um, but, uh, Harris, if, if he has the ability to, to climb the ranks quickly, like everybody thinks he does, we, we all know Blue Jays and, and Alex Anthopoulos like to get these kids into Vancouver for a bit of the experience of Canada, the different money, the, this, that, and the other thing that they all like. He, bigger crowd than you're normally Bigger crowd, say. you know. And he did say they wanted to get Hoffman up here. They thought he was going to start here, but I think he just wowed them too much when he was coming back. And, and once his year anniversary came up from Tommy John, they just, there's nothing they could do about it. They had to assign him. 
Um, I, I think there's a chance. I was going to write a post about it. You know, like, like you say, I, I'm a bit worried about it. Um, I've, I'll put 100% chance on, on certain other guys in this draft, but you never know. So you're saying there's a chance. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get our hopes up, though. Well, I mean, you know, the Canadians roster this year, I haven't thought about it as much as I, as I have previously, but it's not going to be as exciting as, as, well, especially last year was an amazing, amazing roster to start the season. But, yeah, a guy like John Harris would definitely up the, the excitement quotient mm-hmm. big time. Yeah, I was really hoping that we were going to get a few more college guys. Frankly, yeah. again, just from a purely selfish Canadians fan in me, um, because generally I like taking high school kids from a, from a Jays perspective. But uh, looking at, since there's probably going to be a light prospect call in Vancouver this year, I was hoping we'd get a little more than Carl Wise, who we mentioned earlier. Now, what has Anthopoulos' record been like taking younger guys? Is he more likely to take high school guys than other GMs? Or what, what's his sort of uh, history been? With the well, draft? I think anybody after JP was going to be seen as being a high school guy. <laughs> That's um, true. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm going after more high school guys. Anthopoulos has got, kind of gone all over the board. I mean, last year we saw two high school guys, sorry, two college guys in Pentecost and Hoffman. Um, we saw Stroman get taken in the first round. I, I think he really does just take the best guy who's on the board. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I don't think it matters to him so much. I did a piece recently on on his second round picks because I think he's he's extracted a lot of value in the second round, and he's generally gone high school and in the mold that we talked about earlier. You know, big projectable guys. Um, Brady Singer, six foot five. Yeah, last year was Sean Reed Foley. Guys that. Maybe you know he had a bit of he had a bit of an edge in previous years, like Daniel well, Norris a few years. Sean ago. Reed Foley, did we really expect him to be there in the second round? Well, no, last we year. talked about this year, but we thought it was a huge coup that he <laughs> yeah. signed for slot. Um, same deal Nor- with Harris. That's the same situation with Harris, though. I mean, that's a guy who's fallen into your lap. You know, yeah. This year, it's a college guy. Last year, it was it was a high school pitcher. A high school guy, yeah. So, like you said, you know, they they definitely. It looks like they just. They look at their board and the best player on it, that's who they're going to take. They're not going to look for positional need at the big league club because if you're taking a high school kid, that's four, three, four, five years away. So mm-hmm. you may have filled those needs. Can you really credit Anthopolis for these? Or is it, like you said, it fell in his lap? So can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, it's not, it's not really Anthopolis's. While, while we assign this to Anthopolis, it's. You know, he might have contributions to the first round pick. This is the scouting director who's True. making these picks. He's signing the paper, but the scouting director is giving him all the information. Exactly. Yeah. But it, but it's Anthopolis that's gone out and expanded the scouting department. How many True. fold since after Richardi left? They st- they have the biggest mm. scouting department yeah. in the league. And, even- and the whole story at the earlier season of Miguel Castro, he went and got when the Mets let go all their Dominican guys. He he hired them all on mass. And they got they ended up getting Castro for what sixty grand or something like that because the Mets had tried to sign him when when that particular scout was with the Mets. So I think you have to give Anthopoulos credit right. because he is the boss. Yep. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. And he has I mean, you, team effort. <laughs> you wrote a post, you and this is going back a little while at least, where a commenter had asked. Um, mm. Shoot, uh, someone asked what the lineup had looked like <laughs> under Richardi, but then. A commenter had asked, well, what did the minor league system, the top prospect system, look like under Richardi? And you you kind of looked at every prospect. And Anthopolis had 
over, he's overhauled the entire minor leagues, let's be honest. There was absolutely nothing. The top one was from the trade that uh, Anthopoulos made, the, the holiday trade. So you bin those two guys right from the start, and you looked at the next guys. Yeah. And there was absolutely nothing. Yeah. Let me some time, Charlie, and let me bring this up because it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we have to give Anthopoulos credit. And, and this is, this is what, what's difficult for people, you know, especially when we, we wanted to do this podcast two weeks ago and the Jays were losing and everybody was fire Gibbons, fire Anthopoulos. You know, yes, this is a big year for Anthopoulos, and I, I agree with that. If, if they don't, I don't know, if they don't make the playoffs, he could be gone. I disagree with that. But as a guy that follows the minor leagues quite a bit, you have to admire what he's done um, you know, throughout the system, uh, and you know, with we'll talk about these more later. But Asuna making an impact this year, um, Devin Travis, who we spoke about um, when we talked in the summer, when we were talking about the Jays' transactions, he was such a polarizing prospect throughout the throughout. You know, BA had him, I think, as their number one Tigers prospect. Mm-hmm. BP baseball protectors said Keith Lawn BP had him as a non prospect as a total non prospect. What we saw of him, you know, obviously he's injured now. He he looked amazing. This looked like a, a no great way trade. Keep that up. <laughs> no, there's no way. That's but, how good he was. <laughs> but you know, he filled a, a viable hole, and this is what we talk about. Like, why why would they draft for holes now when it's going to be four or five years down the yeah. road, and they can fill those holes yeah. like he's proven by drafting the best players in, on the board. Unless you're getting a guy that is well, yeah, going to fast track, which you can't really predict no, most I mean, of the time. Uh, and I always go back to the DJ Davis, Michael Walker, you know, pick. You look back at the reports on Michael Walker back then, nobody knew he was going to be pitching the majors that no. year. You know? Definitely. So it, it's such a crapshoot, the draft, but... And that's yeah, why the mold of taking DJ Davis is the same mold that leads to you taking Anthony Alford. So yeah. while I might not be the highest guy on DJ Davis, even though he's coming around a little bit, uh, I, I love Anthony Alford. Mm-hmm. So take those two of the outfielders and one of them's going to hit. You only need one center fielder. Yeah. Speaking of Alford, you know, he's a guy we've had on the show here and he's really taken off this year. He's drawing walks like there's no tomorrow. It looks like his on-base percentage is it's been something to behold for a guy that essentially played no baseball in the last two, three years coming into this year. He yeah, played, he played in the Australian a, league in the in the winter, but he had a thirty something like a thirty-five game streak of reaching base to start the year, and it's unheard of for a guy that you know he's, you see him as a free swinger, and like I said, he didn't play any ball. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was expecting him to 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 put up, you know good numbers this year. I was not expecting him to show the type of baseball skills that he's been showing. Um, normally, walk rate isn't something in the minor leagues that necessarily translates mm-hmm. into the leagues. But when you're a 19 or 20-year-old, as you say, who hasn't been playing baseball at all, I mean, that's just that's just crazy. I, I I'm so in love with that kid. <laughs> you, you can't guess. You can't go up there and guess and, and get these kind of numbers. He's obviously seeing these pitches very well and, and recognizing what's a ball and what's a strike, which which was a skill that no one even assumed that Alfred would have, but he's been incredible. Well, he's been, it's, it's been so funny a season thus far. I mean, he has literally three true outcomes. Either he gets a hit, he strikes out, or he walks. You know, He rarely grounds out. He rarely pops out. 
I mean, it's, it's changed a bit the last he's he slumped since he ended that 33 mm-hmm. game on base streak. He had a bit of a slump. He's he's picked it up the last couple of games, including hitting his first home run of the season today. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had a game where he had five abs. He had four walks in a game. I mean, <laughs> it's just been crazy sometimes looking at his stat line. But yeah, the kid can play. He can hit it a mile. His game power hasn't really shown up yet. But you know, this it's goes back there. to the, he's hitting yeah. doubles, and from the yeah. people I talked to who have seen him, you know, that power is going to come. It might, he might not be a twenty-five home run guy, but he's he's a guy who has easy doubles power. Yeah. And honestly, that the the team that's in Lansing this year is. Pretty much the only excitement in the Jays system at this point, aside from Jeff Hoffman, because while Alfred has slumped in the past week or so, Richard Urena, who has been absolutely taken off, I think he's second in the Midwest League in home runs as a 19-year-old shortstop yeah. with plus defensive skills. I mean, that yeah. I'll take that. Did, did Urena make Barreto expendable, would you, would you say? I think Josh Donaldson made Burrito. <laughs> Very true. Very true. I want to touch on, on Donaldson later, but yeah, I, I mean, you, I think I looked at it today. He hit his ninth today, which puts him in third in, in the home run, in the Midwest League home run department. And yeah, you're right. For a 19-year-old shortstop who everybody says is going to stick at shortstop, that's pretty incredible. He, I looked at the age ranking. He's 10th youngest in the Midwest League. Funnily enough, there's a kid in the Padres system that's 18 and is OPSing like 1,100. So that's pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, what Urania's doing is, is, is pretty awesome, especially the last week or so where, you know, he'd hit eight home runs and two doubles, but he's, he's actually now matching his doubles total. So, Jeez. And he's a switch hitter. He's only started switch hitting two years ago, and there was a huge split earlier in the season, but that started starting to converge as well. Hmm. So, you like you said, you know, DJ Davis, you know, what, did he beat the Lugnuts record with eight RBIs the other day? He did. A, th- a three-run <laughs> double that apparently just missed out being a grand slam. Then he went ahead and hit a grand slam <laughs> two innings later. He get caught stealing in that game either, which was <laughs> <laughs> a rarity. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that team, and I know you probably don't like him as much as I do, but I saw Tim LaCastro play, and, and I love that kid. and. You know, all he does is is help teams win. So he could be, I don't know. No, I'm not going to throw a Devin Travis comp on him, but something like that. You know, someone that comes yeah, up, yeah. You know, a Kevin Pillar, <laughs> maybe shouldn't be a, an everyday starter, but will probably rise through the system and end up in Toronto in some role or capacity in the long run. Yeah, he's he's a guy that I've been being pestered about to add to my minor league updates. Uh, which I do weekly at Blue Jays Plus. Yeah. In case you just plug everything. <laughs> um, and he's the kind of guy who, you know, short second basemen are not my favorite kind of prospect. But when he, when you're hitting as well as he does, there's only so long that I can ignore it for. So. Well, and, he, and the other thing, he's leading the league in steals, or he was last time I checked. As I said, I don't have Wi-Fi right now. Um, leading the league in steals, leading the league in HPPs by a mile, which he did in, in the in the Northwest League last year as well. Um, kid just gets on base, gets dirty, and and makes things happen. Which, you know, for a guy that doesn't have any plus tools that scream out, that's what he's got to do. Can he play shortstop even a little bit? Yeah, see, uh, as I said in my Fangraphs interview, I'm not a scout, nor am I a very good writer. <laughs> so his, I thought his defense was okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if he could play shortstop. If, if he could play shortstop, even like 
fake it. I would love him as a future utility guy, but without that, I don't know. There's just there's no such thing as a backup second baseman. You need to you need to start, or it's nothing. Yeah. Getting back to the draft a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the original uh, subject we were on. It was uh, the, draft, the draft. I think wrapped up the 740th round a couple minutes ago. I think is it still? Oh no, it's over now. So I think. Uh, were there any uh, uh, late players that you caught your eye? There's a couple. You know, they they drafted Mattingly Romanin, who was apparently the son of the PR guy for the Blue Jays. That, that happened. And they also drafted my my personal favorite, Earl Burl the Third. Is my personal favorite. They drafted him in the thirtieth round, nine hundred and second overall. Were there any other names that stood out to you? Um, in terms of names, because those are <laughs> those are really impressive. Can't but beat Earl the, Burl. <laughs> the, the main guy that we sort of highlighted is Reggie Pruitt, who they took seven hundred and seventy seven hundred and twenty second <laughs> overall. Uh, who's a toolsy outfielder, high school guy. The concern is, you know, he was rated in the top 200 on, you know, multiple places. The problem is with high school guys who fall that late is, are they going to sign? Yeah. Um, so if, if they manage to get him, that's pretty decent. I could, I could get on board with that. Um, Merrick Kraus was a right-handed pitcher, 332nd overall, so an 11th round pick. You know, another six three righty, so another big tall kid. Yeah. As an eleventh rounder, you're pretty sure we're going to get him. So mm-hmm. for well, later guys, sort of it. Who was the eleventh rounder, the Canadian kid that they took a couple of years ago, who was redrafted this year? So it must have been three rounds ago. Sorry, three wow. years ago. And oh shoot, where did he go this year? God damn, Ryan Kellogg. Fun. Yeah, Ryan Kellogg. So they got him in the eleventh round. Three who needs years Wi-Fi? Ago. You have. You and Ross. I've got you and Ross. <laughs> but in regards to Pruitt, he's got to he's got to commit to Vandy, and apparently Vanderbilt is. They did a survey or something like, that, and it's the toughest college or university, whatever you want to call it, to sign kids away from. And of course, the Jays know all about that because Tyler Beatty went to, to yeah. Vanderbilt. Have you been to Nashville, um, Charlie? I haven't. No, I'd really like to go, Ewan. Nashville is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so that's and Vanderbilt's maybe you know top 10, 20 school, you know, from a education standpoint, Vander, Vanderbilt does a really good job. And, and apparently the San Francisco Giants really, really like taking players that the Blue Jays yeah. originally took. Because well, they got two I mean, of them, I think, in I, this draft. Beattie made his double-A debut against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats yeah. last week and absolutely dominated them for seven innings. Of course. So, yeah. And was it and, was Bickford this year. Bickford this year. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not worrying about Bickford. I've, <laughs> I've heard, you know, everyone says that he's got amazing tools and great pitches. Headache after headache with him. I mean, his agent was playing games with, with medical records again mm-hmm. in the draft this year. Good riddance. I'm glad we didn't sign him. Well, we should note he also tested positive for marijuana just Which, two days before the draft. I think. It yeah, was. and as as someone on the West Coast who certainly does not have an issue with marijuana, <laughs> I, I don't care that he smokes weed. I care that he tested positive when he knew that essentially the biggest job interview of his life was right. coming up. Yeah. So that's just an IQ test, you know. Lay off the weed <laughs> for the next month, kid. Yeah, you can't do that. But well, I guess going to San Francisco, they're pretty uh, liberal there. So maybe <laughs> showed us that. <laughs> no, fast track him. <laughs> Get him here now before he causes any problems. 
Well, that's the thing is that as long as he's in the minor leagues, he can't smoke weed. <laughs> as we found with Jeremy Jeffries a couple years ago. <laughs> Get to the majors and you can light up all you want, kid. <laughs> so Pruitt, Pruitt's Kennesaw State, no, sorry, Kennesaw High School, Kennesaw Mountain High School, which must be pretty close to Kennesaw State University where Max Pentecost it came is. from, and Travis Bergen, our seventh-round pick this year, who you, you touched on on an email to me, pitched to Max, Pe- Max Pentecost last year. Yeah, uh, one of our other writers, Steve McEwen's really high on him. Um, college lefty, sort of crafty, pitchability guy. He's a guy that I think we would probably see here to start out. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, who, sorry, who is this? Travis Bergen, uh, oh, Bergen. seventh round pick, I think. Yeah, seventh round, two twelve overall. Oh, we were talking about Pruitt for a second. Well, no, he went to Kennesaw High School, right. so that, that was my segue. Oh, Kennesaw Mountain. Two kids out of Kennesaw High School, if I remember. Well, the thing Which about Pruitt, the, not named after the it, it's Kennesaw Mountain High School. So I was hoping that it was named after the former commissioner of baseball, who was a brutal <laughs> racist. But yeah. no, actually named after the mountain. <laughs> the thing about Pruitt that catches my eye on the uh, MLB site is they have these little scouting videos on each of the well many of the prospects. And then there's they stopped at about round eleven, and then there's about ten rounds or thirteen rounds of of nothing, and then there's a scouting video for Pruitt, who they exactly. drafted in the twenty fourth round. So. If you see the scouting video there, he's probably <laughs> a good kid. But if you see a big gap between scouting videos, that means he's probably not going to sign. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, he's rapid. What he ran a six four sixty or something like that. Yeah, um, well, for center know, fielder. That's, that's yeah, he's he's yeah. he's quick. He's three six out of the box on a drag bunch or something like that. Like pretty incredible he's speed. A, he's a seventy runner. Yeah. Um, meh. It, <laughs> it's sort of average. Powers not really there, but he can run. He can defend. If we sign him, I'm I'm high on him. Yeah, but, and, and so, the, oh, sorry, go no, ahead. Go ahead you. Let's go to Carl Wise, who mm-hmm. has been the biggest name that I think we're likely to see in Vancouver, who the Jays announced as a third baseman on the draft show. It was mentioned that he could maybe be a catcher, but he was, but he played a lot of first base. So defensively, I don't know what we're going to get with him, but lots and lots of power. One of the, probably one of the 10 most power in the entire draft. So you know. I, I saw a video that said first base was his likely landing spot. So catcher kind of caught me by surprise. Well, I, I saw the same tweet that you, well, one of the tweets that you saw, you and from Hudson Belinsky, who's I think BP, isn't he? I think he was with Baseball America. Baseball America, who said that catcher is a potential landing spot. Oh. So, yeah, as a catcher. He's a big boy. Fantastic. He's a big boy, though, 6'1", well, 215. Yeah. And he's probably going to grow. If, hey, if, what, for, the Molina brothers weren't tiny either. <laughs> <laughs> if if we're being greedy, we don't want him to be a catcher. Yeah. Because if he's a catcher, we're not going to see him this year. Yeah. I would, I'd be very surprised. So if they announced him as a third baseman, I'd assume that's where he's going to play. And he'll presumably be the Canadian starting, center, starting third baseman on opening day. Well, I think in your article you you gave an anonymous scout, which let's be honest, we all know who it is, um, <laughs> who said that let him, you know, he's decent enough at third where let him play until he proves that he can't play it any longer. Which in the Northwest League, it's far too early to say that. You know, it's 
double A before you start saying, okay, you can't play third anymore. So I, I actually think, I actually think you don't know who that scout was, Charlie. But, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no. you, you, you take him, you let him play third base until yeah. he fails, and then you move him to first base if you need to. Which so. is exactly what they did with Mitch Nay. As it turns out, Mitch Nay can't hit for power. <laughs> That's the problem. No, they just can't hit. Yeah, well, but it's, it turns out he's a there. decent third baseman. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I I think you're right. I think that is the guy that we should be most excited about as Vancouver Canadians fans, at least. You know, a power hitting third baseman who, if he signs, which I don't think there'll be any problem in he's that gonna. regard, um, is going to be the third baseman from. Probably not day one, but he'll be here within a, a week or two of the season starting, and, and he'll be the third baseman for the rest of the season, unless he dominates, mm-hmm. in which case he goes up to Lansing and takes over from, uh, who's up there right now? Level Legion. Right <laughs> no, now, he's in Dunedin. They've, there's a nobody at third base in Lansing. I can't, non-prospect. No, Level Legion's been sent down. He's been playing oh. the last couple of days. Wow. Which uh, in itself is like... There's a non-prospect playing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Let's go back to that. (laughs) Other than the names in the draft that we've been talking about, are there any other fresh faces that we might see in Vancouver that, you know, I know the roster's not out there, but is there anything that you can really speculate? Lane Thomas, Lane Thomas, Lane Thomas. Yeah, I think think Lane (laughs) Thomas is is a surety. I think Clinton Holland is a surety. So there's two... I don't know where you guys had them, but in my prospect list, I had, you know, both those guys sort of mid-teens. Um... I think I I have a coach's, one of the C's coach's cell phone, and I've been texting him repeatedly over the last couple of days to give me any heads up on whether we see a guy like Jake Brents or, or like we talked about, Nick Wells skipping Bluefield and, and ending up in Vancouver. But he's being very uh, <laughs> noncommittal, i.e. not texting me back. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, he's blocked I think, your numbers. Right? Yeah, probably. Let's just get it out yeah. of the way. So I think... Lane Thomas, man, I'm I'm probably the high guy on him in terms of if he can stick at second base. Uh, you know, we did not do prospect rankings this year, but uh, he's probably around ten for me at this point. Uh, Hall and I'm not so sure about. It's all about coming back from uh, from Tommy John, I think, is what he had. Yeah, Last. which was his year anniversary two weeks ago, and I was actually chatting to Tom Robson uh, about a week ago. And he said, watch out for him. He looks amazing right now. So, yeah, I was be- talking to Chris King of Perfect Game and Fangraphs now, uh, who, is, who saw him the same day that Jeff Hoffman had his first simulated game. I guess that'd be about a month ago now. And he was saying much the same, raving about him, looked great. So, yeah, um, exactly. Who knows? You know, this is one of those guys that, you know, that's why I wrote that, you know, second round piece. The guy they took in the second round that fell to him. Because of issues with his UCL, they signed him for 40% of slot and knew that he would have to get TJ sooner or later, which, you know, probably half these guys in this draft are going to have to. And how they come back is is a big thing. Um, another name that I would think about looking at coming here potentially is Adonis Cardona, who is, again, rehabbing from an injury. Yeah. Um, he's been in extended spring training throwing, so I think he is ready to go. And he's, I, I assume we'll move him to the bullpen, but he's a flamethrowing righty who has command problems, so he was probably going to wind up in the bullpen anyway and with shoulder problems that I think he had. So well, he's he actually the guy broke that his elbow, had. didn't he? I, I, I it can't wasn't a UCL. He, he broke the bone. Wow. He's had some crazy injuries, Ow. that guy. 
I think another <laughs> another name we can look for is uh, Angel or Angel Perdoma as well, who Chris King was quite high on last year when he saw him in, in the GCL. There's and the last guy I think I'd mention is Matt Morgan, who's a catcher who it seems like the Jays are really high on, but I think he was a fourth-round pick last year. I haven't talked to a single person who likes him, but <laughs> the Jays really like him, so maybe the Jays are right. What about returning names? Which, which would be kind of disappointing, I guess, to see him back. Yeah, well, th- the big thing for me is not necessarily returning names from Vancouver last year, but who could we potentially see get demoted from Lansing when the season opens up? Um, Connor Green, a young right-hander up in Lansing right now, has really struggled of late. There's a chance, I think, you know, we see him. Uh, Josh Amonte, an outfielder who was taken uh, a couple of years ago, I think in the 11th round, something like that. Um, we see him again. Other than that... The other know, name that I'd maybe throw out there if he struggles over the next month would be Jesus Tinoco. I think be- Tinoco's thrown pretty well. Like, I, I'm of the same mind because I thought that was a pretty aggressive assignment for him. Um, yeah, because I mean, la- last year we saw guys like, uh, or maybe this was two years ago now. Or no, it was last no, year. Last year, Laborte and... Um, Torado. Torado came down, yeah. So, you know, he's, he's throwing pretty well right now, so I hope he continues to do that and doesn't need to be demoted, but if he does, it wouldn't, wouldn't shock me to have that happen. No, and, I mean, even, uh, this is a stretch, because Sean Reed Foley's had some amazing games for Lansing, but he's also had some games where he's really struggled. So mm-hmm. I would have thought Vancouver would have been a natural progression for him. I mean, he only threw 17 innings in the GCL last year or whatever before being promoted to Vancouver for the playoffs playoff run and not not throwing an inning which is my first indication that he wasn't going to be back this year that's weird why would they promote him and not pitch him well maybe no again i think a lot of it's just experience you know playoff atmosphere big crowds you know get a feel for it they like to do that you know they have that makes sense i like that they had that the year before where labort came up and actually started game one of the um of the final series um well they actually put him in a game well, yeah, I mean, it, I, uh, Chase DeYoung was the same thing, and Brady Dragmar. You know, they brought those guys up. You know, they, they only managed to get DeYoung in inning and relief. Um, and I would sus- I'd suspect that, given that he was a high school kid after pitching his high school season last year, they might not want to have him throw any more innings. But, again, having him on that playoff roster is, is quite valuable. Yeah. And I I really like him because he's, I mean, he had a game two weeks ago where he had, he threw 10 strikeouts, had one walk and one hit over five innings, which is like, holy crap, this guy's getting it. And then the next game, he lasts two innings, he hits three batters, he walks two. That's, that's what the development curve looks like. So, so yeah, so that's what I'm saying. If, if he has a couple more outings like that, they may think, yeah, let's send him back down to Vancouver, get a bit of confidence back. Which is what they wanted to do with, I mean, Laborte was, uh, I think Laborte, the big thing was the weather, but um, uh, Torado, you know, he, his, his head was his shot, so they sent him down here to try and get a bit of confidence. Mm-hmm. It obviously didn't work out in the long <laughs> run because he couldn't start down here either, but, you know, for Sean Reed Foley, if, if things progress downhill, which, and this is the thing I hate talking about because I want these guys to succeed. I want them to stay in Lansing, and if anything, go up to Dunedin. You know, Dunedin's got such a boring pitching staff. 
outside of Laborte and Hoffman. Hoffman is on that pitching staff. You well, yeah, but be, shut your mouth. So we're, <laughs> what, I think I was talking about this two weeks ago. Like before Hoffman got assigned, you're like you're looking at Laborte and a couple of guys that were literally 27. Smorrell's there now too. Well, Smorrell's now there now, but he hasn't started yet. He's only been relief. Uh, I, think, I think that might be a permanent thing. Well, again, that was a text to my mysterious coast who <laughs> hasn't come back to me. <laughs> Charlie, you want to know the secret is you have to pay to block your number and then call them. And then they have to answer it. It's like, oh, what if it's somebody's agent? What if it, you know, so that's the secret. So you have to block your number. I'll have answers for, about Smoral on, on the 15th <laughs> because I know, you know, he was on the cusp of making Lansing out of spring or spring training. Do you know why he didn't? Was that a back problem? He had an upper back problem, apparently. Mm. Shoulder, back, so whether it was a trapezoid muscle or or whatever. And when it's an upper back for Matt Smarl, it's a really upper (laughs) back. Yeah. Oh, man. I I remember I was sitting in the stands behind him when he was charting last year. The kid's just big. Everything. Mm. Hands, feet. He's huge. So, yeah, if he's a full-time bullpen piece, then, yeah, you know, you you spent two million bucks on a second rounder. Or, no, he was a supplemental. He's a hell of an intimidating bullpen piece, though. Yeah, and and he'll have two wipeout pitches. He'll have a plus fastball and a plus plus slider. So it's not the end of the world. Seeing what they've done with with Castro last season, having him jump from Dunedin, they've now got Oral in the bullpen and Toronto in the bullpen in Dunedin. Which is kind of why their starting staff is so boring. So boring. Um, I, I think I could see those guys moving quickly because Lord knows the Blue Jays need all the help they can get in the bullpen. Because yeah, what, we just called them Phil Coke. What's uh, Smarl's velocity on his fastball? Low nineties. Low nineties. Oh. Yeah, he, I, I remember charting him last year once, and I mean it was ninety two. Pretty much every pitch. I was wondering if he, if he's a full time bullpen guy, is he going to be groomed to be a closer down the road, or is he? A, a, he's not really a flamethrower. Well, there's a couple things about about him. One, one, he's lefty, so you're going to struggle to have. I mean, lefty closers struggle because of platoon issues. Yeah. So I wouldn't think that. But the other thing is because he's so long. A 92 coming from his arm is different because it's being released so much closer to the plate. Right. So the effective velocity is higher. And he's a lefty. So, you, I mean, a lefty thrown in the you know, mid-90s, he's an exciting bullpen piece if he can figure out his mechanics. Well, that's the big thing. He's got a very stiff front side. So if you, can, if you can figure that out, you know, his velocity will be unlocked. I mean, he's not going to be throwing 100 miles an hour like Jimmy Cordero or anything, but... You know, you could probably expect mid nineties in the long run, which, mm-hmm. like you say, for a lefty that is six foot eight or whatever it is, the the true velocity of that is is pretty high. And Dan Norris doesn't throw mid nineties either. He's low nineties. Yeah. You know, let from the left side, you don't have to be a flamethrower if you can pitch. Or even from the right side if you're Mark Burley. <laughs> or Scott Copeland apparently. Or Scott Copeland. Yeah. <laughs> Making me look really stupid. I've been bagging on Scott Copeland all year, and he was really good today. He was, I, he was yeah. awesome today. Which let's touch on the Blue Jays while we're here. We, yeah. can, we can always filter back to the minor leagues. I'm sure we can yep. talk about someone else that's exciting in the minor leagues. <laughs> but we talked about in the summer. We we had a podcast basically that touched on all the deals, and the first one I want to talk about is Josh Donaldson's a fucking Blue Jay. <laughs> I tweeted today, his, t- his at-bats are must-watch TV. You have to stop what you're doing and turn on the television when Josh Donaldson's up because you never know what's going to happen. 
Most More importantly than Josh Donaldson being a Blue Jay, Brett Laurie isn't. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I'm pretty excited about that because I was his, his whole shtick was, I was really tired of it. And turns out he kind of sucks, too. I mean, <laughs> he's turned it around a little bit lately, but he was ice cold to start the year. Well, the question yeah. for me is, if they traded Donaldson from Oakland because he called Billy Bean Billy Boy, how long is it before he has a run-in with Laurie in the dressing room? Is something? that true? I hadn't heard that. Yeah, that's one of the reasons is uh, he, he called him Billy Boy. So there was a, a bit of a falling out between the two. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that'll, yeah, be, that'll be in Moneyball 2. you got to wait for the movie to come he, out. He'd asked for a blow one game as well, and, and Bean wasn't happy about that. So. Well, he told him to get his ass to the DL or play the next game, and yeah. Donaldson said no. No thanks, Billy Boy, and then that was the end of that. But I mean, advantage Blue Jays. The home run he hit, <laughs> the home run he hit today. I mean, you know, you read. Uh, I, I and you and you're probably gonna laugh at me, but I I read Cliff Corcoran's uh, at si.com. I I, like I I read his his MVP watch and his rookie watch and stuff like that. I think he's got Trout slightly ahead of Donaldson right now as the American League MVP. Strictly, well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, yesterday someone tweeted out that. He is seventeen to one to win the AL MVP mm. at the moment. Yeah, which is crazy. That's, I mean, it's nuts. <laughs> I mean, you look at and and the Corkinen's reasoning was because Trout hits in in a park which is a right-handed hitter's you know death trap, whereas obviously Donaldson's now in the in the Rogers Center. But it, is he really? taking full advantage of the Rogers Center right now? You a lot of his home runs are to dead center dead or center to right field. center, like that one today. <laughs> He hit on an absolute line yeah. to right center, and I've I've spoken to major league hitters before that had hit home runs. I'm like, how often do you know it's out? And they're like, yeah, maybe fifty percent of the time. He's hitting them to right center, and he knows straight away they're gone. That's the how other guy who knew it was gone is. was Edwin last night. Oh, that was well, amazing. Well, I was gonna say it reminds me of Batista in his fifty home run season, yeah. where he would just hit it, and you would know, you know, immediately before the ball even contacted the bat, he would know the swing is a home run. And that's what it looks like to me, and that's very exciting if we're in for another season like that, if he can keep it going. But. Yeah, that trade is just looking like an absolute robbery because, I mean, Laurie's sort of picked it up lately, and he's hitting all right, but I think the potential on him has flattened out dramatically. Oh, yeah. um, Kendall Graveman has been rather poor. Sean Nolan has been hurt and, you know, middling. And while normally I'd be sort of reluctant to make those calls about, you know, prospects who have seven years of control, but the major appeal of those two guys was that they are ready to go and they can step right in and help the A's, you know, supposedly try and make the playoffs again. And there's still Franklin Barreto who, you know, is, is playing pretty well, is one of the top five shortstop prospects in baseball. But when you got Josh Donaldson for not only this year, but, three more years after this, mm-hmm. please, yeah. I'll take Well, Graveman has been okay since he got recalled because I think he was sent down end of April and then he had a, another rough outing, but he's been okay since then. But, it, but he's been okay, whereas Donaldson's been an MVP candidate. Actually, since he's come back, Graveman's been actually been pretty good. So, right. But is he, yeah. is he Scott Copeland? He, he hasn't given him. up more than three runs in his last four starts, so it's been, been not too bad. That's pretty decent. Yeah. And, you know, no, he's he's been good, you know. But when we have Scott Copeland, we don't need no exactly. Kendall Graveman. We don't need Kendall Graveman when you got <laughs> Scott Copeland. 
<laughs> just pull them out of your back pocket. Yeah. But I mean, like you said, we we I mean, we can't make a full on judgment of this trade now, sixty games or whatever it is into the season. But you know, we, no, I think I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say this right one's now, a win. <laughs> this one's a big win. What, I mean, do you, what do you make of this crazy season so far, though? It was, you know, they were underperforming for so long because of their run differential. Everyone said, oh, they're going to come back to earth. It'll even out eventually. They're only, you know, 40 games into the year. And then did you all, you expected to come back to earth eight games in a row? <laughs> well, the, thing about, the, the thing is about their, about their, you know, run differential. I was actually expecting that given the way that this team is, has been constructed, that they were probably going to underachieve their run differential this year because they were going to win a whole bunch of blowouts with this offense, mm-hmm. and their bullpen was going to blow a whole bunch of close games. <laughs> That's true. And I'm still not sold on this bullpen, and I'm even less sold now that they've called up Phil Coke for some reason. Um, I, I saw someone tweet today that apparently Ortiz is two for twenty-one against Coke. So if you're, if you're calling him up for one hitter, <laughs> yeah, Ortiz is what hitting two thirty this year. So he's two for twenty-one against a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, it'll be even worse against Coke this year. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if you're calling him up for one guy on a weekend, so I you know I don't know. The, well, I'll, I'll you know, if they were calling him up, I mean, so you, you've got a 13 man pitching staff, which I'm not crazy. Yes. But they also they don't have a backup middle infielder right now. Where's and Mooney? I thought it was only going to be for one game while Copeland filled in for Sanchez right now. But you know. Russell Martin is the backup second baseman right now. Okay, I obviously missed the corresponding move for Copeland. Who was that? Kawasaki was sent out. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Well, I, I figured he would be back up, you know, one day later. But nope. nope. He's actually played pretty well. I know everyone bags on Kawasaki, but he, he for is what, what he, he is. is. Yeah. 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 He, he, really he had a couple of big hits. He had that pinch hit, bloop double. And he's just so darn lovable. Come on. Yeah, that face dance he does. <laughs> and, <laughs> We're just driving people crazy right now with this. But that's the thing about this team is that so many guys on this team are likable, aside from most of the guys in the bullpen who I could (laughs) have shot into the sun. But, you know, I get really annoyed at. Yeah, the pitching, you're right. I mean, that's really been the difference, honestly, in the last eight games. They're not hitting any better than they did when they were losing. It's just the, the pitching has been so much better. The starters are actually going. You know, six innings into the game at least, which was unheard of in the first month of the season. And what it's let them do is it's given them some breathing room to let Dan Norris sort things out in AAA, mm-hmm. let Miguel Castro do the same before he had a finger injury. You know, there's probably going to be some help coming back to this team at some point, even though the Jays' upper minors do look a little barren, I have to think Dalton Pompey is going to be back at some point and we can get rid of Kevin Pillar because uh, he also applies to being shot into the sun. Cause, uh. <laughs> um, and then there's the Jeff Hoffman question because he's really good and I'm n- it's possible we see him in September, I think. Can we quote you on that? Um, you oh, and Ross, no. Jeff Hoffman, he's really good. <laughs> yeah, can't quote me on that one. I'm, I'm on the I'm on the side, and I wrote a piece about this saying let's pump the brakes a bit. He is really good, but he's coming off Tommy John, and Asuna was coming off Tommy John last year as well, and it took him a while. Yeah. So I think 
you know, 2016 is more realistic. You know, if he if he does come up in September, fabulous. But I don't. I'm not gonna. If I was a betting Here's, man, yeah. It, well, fr- frankly, that was mostly my thinking a couple weeks ago before this team couldn't stop winning. And I was thinking we were going to see Jeff Hoffman to save Alex Anthopoulos' job. And now I'm kind of thinking we might see Jeff Hoffman to try and get into the playoffs. But you're probably right. Um, thanks, Bob but, Killington over there. No, but you never know. Like, <laughs> and speaking of something else that we talked about in the offseason, I know Greg may very well have been playing devil's advocate the whole time, uh-huh. or he may have actually believed this, but can we start shooting anybody in the sun that would actually – you know, encounter the idea of putting Aaron Sanchez back in the bullpen. <laughs> no! He's a starter through and through. Okay. Well, I'm a little concerned about, what, about them skipping him for pitch count reasons. Yeah. I don't well, no, I, I read today that he's, he was sore. He, he, after his last start, which he threw amazingly well, he had soreness. Like he said, if it was up to me, I'd be pitching today. But I was sore after the last start. Like I'm sore after every start. Just unfortunately this time it didn't recede as quickly as I'd hoped, and, and they decided to skip me. So, Charlie, what you're saying is that the Jays might potentially be concealing an injury and not telling us the whole truth about an injury? They would never, ever do that, Ewan. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, do we actually know what's wrong with Max Pentecost? I know we said we were going to say B.J. Ryan only needed a back problem fixed, right? And it wasn't it, what ended up in Tommy John surgery? Was that, was that the whole... Root it's not that. a lie if they know it's true. <laughs> I love the that was the Ricciardi regime, though. He's, you can't. He's, he's got a strained <laughs> forearm, so you mean he's going to have Tommy? Yeah. Gunn, <laughs> <laughs> right. He has a partial tear. Yeah. yeah. But this Maybe. is this is something that is driving me absolutely crazy. As someone who writes weekly stuff on minor league, and guys get hurt every couple weeks, and you know, this past week AJ Jimenez went on the DL after finally hitting, and I was you know excited about him for once he goes on the dl and i still can't find what's what's wrong with him it's i don't understand why what the reason for concealing these injuries are because you know if it's to pump up someone's trade value do you not think that you know you're going to get you're going to be giving that team medicals when you trade them anyway i does, just i don't understand does major league baseball have any any rules stipulate because i know nhl came under fire recently because they don't have any rules towards the media whether or not they have to disclose i'm sure once you place somebody on the disabled list you have to disclose it to major league baseball so is there nothing that brings I that to the media I, think, I don't well first of all um gibbons had an excellent joke about aaron sanchez saying that it was overall an, an upper body injury with him <laughs> with a nice nhl tip there but <laughs> I, I assume that they have disclosed it but minor league baseball is not covered the way it should be mm-hmm. And honestly, the Bisons are covered really poorly. Um, so well, I think it's more. It's minor league baseball. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, like, no, but the, the guys. I was consistently trying to find out. And geez, Dunedin. I, I love looking at Dunedin Blue Jays. You know the uh, MILB site because the attendance figures always give me a, a bit of a kick. <laughs> Here's you know you get. I'm like you say. You know it's not the most exciting team in the world, but they do have some. You know, Jeff Hoffman is, is a first grade <laughs> prospect. But then you got guys like JD Davis, who was injured for a while, who's has hit really, really well this year. Who I'm trying, I'm asking everybody, I'm asking their announcer, I'm asking everybody, what's wrong with him? And nobody's returning my call or tweet or whatever. But yeah, the attendance figure is like 343 and stuff More like that. More people at my slow pitch game <laughs> yeah, tonight, exactly. is what you're saying? Possibly. <laughs> 
this does not apply to Lansing because Lansing's broadcaster is the best. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse is Suck amazing. Up. <laughs> no, it, it, it's the truth, though. I mean, yeah. I'm glad that they have a wonderful team to watch because he deserves it and he actually is, is helpful and yeah. is worth Yeah, He's awesome. Jesse Goldberg Strassler, I believe you're referring yeah. to. Yes, I am. He's the best. Yes. More like him, please. Yeah. Nice. But, but you're right. It's, it's tough um, to, to figure out what's going on with these guys and why they're injured. And like my second round pick, Griffin Murphy, he's been on the DL since the, the start of the season. I've got no idea why. You know, you think they put that out there. You know, if he's not gonna if he's not gonna play this year, is he having Tommy John or I don't. know. Anyways, that rant is over. What else can we talk <laughs> yeah. about? Blue Jays, Edwin and Carnacion. Well, we're we're closing in on an hour, so we don't want to rag along too long. I know we've been off the But how many games so in a row long. can they win, Greg? They're, they're never going to lose again. They're never going to lose it. again. Boston, this My is lifetime. an easy sweep. Easy. In Boston, <laughs> they don't even have a chance. With that pitching staff, I will. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, and the Yankees finally lost, so they picked up a game. And then Andrew Miller <laughs> goes on the DL, so they don't have their you know two-headed monster out of the bullpen. Did they get to get together and coordinate these winning streaks? So the Jays went on an eight-game winning streak and picked up one game in yep. their in their division. No, in the last ten, they had actually lost a game. <laughs> before before today's results, they'd lost the game because the Yankees had gone eight and two. The Jays oh had gone seven and three. I don't think they picked up a game on the on the Rays either. No, that's sad. Well, tw- twice last weekend when we we're all celebrating the the big comeback win over the Nats. All five American League East teams won. <laughs> it's like it's yeah, because our our friends to the south, the Mariners, have shit the bed a couple times. Yeah, friends. Well, whatever. Or what's his name? <laughs> Fernando Rodney. What gave up a home run to? No, Fernando Tampa, Rodney gave up a home run. Tampa Bay in the bottom of the tenth or whatever, or top of the tenth in Seattle. What yeah. I think this tells you though is that you're never as bad as you are when you're on a losing streak, and you're never as great as you are when you won eight games in a row. So you should probably just temper those expectations. You know, you could go on an eight-game winning streak and only pick up one game. You could go on an eight-game losing streak and maybe only lose one game. It's a long season, and the importance is being consistent throughout. Screw you, Greg, and your broadcasting. <laughs> you see, we have a segment on our podcast um, Which that is the cliche of, of the week, the <laughs> and that is the cliche of the week right there, Greg. That was <laughs> that is oh, it, prime. It's true, though. It's so true. When it's 162 games, it's. It's so <laughs> stupid to get wrapped up in an eight-game winning streak. Are you telling me you need streak. to take it one game at a time? <laughs> it's gut check time. All lines are firing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the real upside is is that e- even though the Jays were, I mean, the Jays were wretched in April and May. Um, but to me, the entire American League is looking rather poor. Mm. I mean, there was a point last week where the Twins were the best team in the American League. Yeah. <laughs> And that's not going to last. Um, Houston, what are, you, are they? Uh, are they for real? Or are they? I believe in pretenders? Houston. They just called up Carlos Correa and Mash one the other day. It wouldn't surprise. I mean, I, as I, even though I just said that about the Twins, and the Twins do not have a good roster, and they're doing it with smoke and mirrors, they're going to do much the same because I think we're going to see Byron Buxton with them mm-hmm. in a couple weeks. So the teams that were surprising and overachieving. Yeah, the guys who have been overachieving might level off, but they're going to be replaced by, you know, Lance McCullers and Carlos Correa and <laughs> Byron Buxton and, and on and on and on. But the AL East does not look that way. There's not a good team in the AL East this year. My other question to you is, are you a Cola believer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you uh, coined the term. <laughs> I like Chris Cola Bella. 
a lot. Why? What's his career uh, on right. base? Here's, here's the thing with Chris Colabello. So last year, he came up for the Twins, and he set the Twins record for RBIs in a month in April. And then he hurt his wrist or thumb. I can't remember which. Oh, here come the excuses. And he (laughs) hid the injury because he's like a 30-year-old indie leaguer, and he didn't think he'd ever get another shot. And shockingly, he was awful because hitting with a wrist injury is impossible. So he was awful, and he got sent back down. So I'm choosing to believe that the first month is for real, and he's shown that maybe it is. He's not an outfielder. We can pretty much all agree on that. Mm-hmm. But I think he's an above-average hitter who, you know, he's, he's not going to kill you in left or right field. And, you know, I'd much rather see him out there than Ezekiel Carrera, who is also bad defensively, even though he's fast and shouldn't yeah. be. <laughs> that that well, TV dive today was horrific. <laughs> I'm surprised Zahn went so light on him, actually. Now explain the other nine years of Chris Colabello's career. <laughs> he was in the independent league, man. He, he never got a chance. He never got a chance. He I, is he is a modern-day uh, Roy Hobbs. I'm, I'm with you in a bit on this one. I know, and there's one specific Blue Jays blogger that bangs on about his B-A-B-I-B, BABIP, all the time, and that it will flatten out. But, you know, you've got to take what he's done so far and and enjoy it. Oh, yeah. You know, whether it doesn't last at you, 360 you, <laughs> or whatever he's hitting right now. You ride him until he collapses, exactly. and then you, you ditch him in the past you, is what you do. You get on yep. his back, and, and you take what you You ring every last drop out of <laughs> Absolutely. him. Absolutely. And it's really easy to look at someone's Babbitt that is high, and, you know, normally those level off. But when you need to look at the batted ball profile to go along with that. When the guy is hitting a million line drives, yeah, they're going to be falling in more than, you know, fly balls and ground balls. Mm-hmm. And he's crushing the ball. It's not that he is getting these, you know, dribblers. Yeah, he's getting a couple of them. And anytime it happens, people, you know, snarky bloggers out there tweet that, you know, bad at Chris Colabello. Yeah. <laughs> but he's hitting line drives left and right. Well, and the ones it's a good sign. Aren't line drives that, that game winning hit the other night. It was a tough pitch. It was a slider away. He knew the infield was in and all he knew he had to get the bat on it and put it up the middle. It was just, it was an excellent piece of hitting. Well, the other thing is if he's hitting at line drives, at such a high rate compared to the rest of his career. Why is he doing this? And chances are pretty good. He's not going to keep squaring the ball up at the rate that he's been squaring it up. And he's probably going to drop down from that 350 whatever average he's he's at right now. So that's I, the beauty of having a 350 average. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can give up 50 points of that. Even and if he hits 290, he's still probably contributing to this team. Exactly, no, he's not as good. I mean, no. don't have any illusions. Yeah, but he can give up a whole bunch more and still be a useful piece. And when guys like Kevin Pillar are on the team, I will take. Chris yeah. Colabo. Yeah. His 290 yeah. is a lot, heck of a lot better than Pilar's 240 when, well, you, when you break it down. When you say 290 and Pilar <laughs> in the same sentence, you're saying, I hope his OBP is up to 290. <laughs> he walked the other day. He walked twice, twice. the other day. First twice. time in his career, yeah. he walked twice in a game. Was that what? the same pitcher who did that? Because you should get demoted. One other time he got hit by a pitch and walked in the same game. That was the first time, though, he's ever... Sometimes taken. his swing just looks so horrific <laughs> that no, it, a six-year-olds like Coach and T-Ball have better swings than him. He he swings. And, uh, 
to tell you the truth, he make, he makes contact with some of these pitches, but he swings at pitches that are at his eyes. He swings at Vladimir Guerrero pitches. Yeah. And he's not Vladimir Guerrero, <laughs> which, by the way, what? the Jaser, he's <laughs> breaking news. <laughs> So but yeah, actually, that's a Vladimir good point. Guerrero, that, that's the next. That's the next thing to be looking for. What are we? When's that? July second. Yeah. Second. I thought they already had him locked up. Am well, I crazy? Not allowed, or? Greg. They're I know, not but, allowed. but I, I whoa, all the whoa, 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 Greg. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing reports that other teams are interested. telling me that these that all these guys they drafted have agents. Was he not, not? Was he not in a video on YouTube hitting home runs wearing Blue Jays shorts? Or am I just? No, but I believe uncle, that was of course, that was in a minor league deal with the Blue Jays, so gave him the shorts. Is that what's going on? Or yeah, yeah, he's he's he by all accounts he has a deal. Okay. Um, I think Kylie McDaniel reported that it's 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 done. And there's some talk that it might be that they might have him low enough that they're not going to go over their their scouting cap or their their international mm-hmm. spending cap. Yeah, I'd read that too, which would which be I don't like. Awesome. I'm no? not. No, I'm I'm against this because I want them to blow that out of the water. Because I think you're not. You get a two year sanction. You're allowed to take. You know. You know, only allowed to spend a certain amount of money. And I'm pretty sure that in a couple of years there will be an international draft and those restrictions will no longer apply. Mm. There's a reason you're seeing the Cubs blowing it out of the water. The Dodgers are going to spend an ungodly amount of money uh, come July 2nd. So I would rather them spend a bunch of money on him and then spend a bunch of money on a bunch of other guys because the sanctions are not harsh enough that they should stop you. I'm going to ask an absurdly stupid question, just because I'm mainly, uh, you know, coming from the hockey background. Wait, is this what's what's different about that? <laughs> uh, wow, uh, uh, the draft and and the signing of international players. Why are international players treated differently uh, than, than you would see in the National Hockey League, where you could draft an international player and sign them, rather than you know, there's this big mad dash to just sign as many international players as possible with a budget. Okay, well, I would flip that around and say, why is there a draft at all? Why isn't every interna- every domestic player treated the same way as the international players? Mm-hmm. Well, why is it? I have no idea. <laughs> well, the, the MLB oh, and the MLB, keep salaries down. That is, yeah, that is why. The draft seems more exactly fair, though, why. if you're, if yeah, you're looking like, for parity in the league. So they can have cost well, control Fair to who? Fair to the kids. teams or fair to the kids? Yeah. Fair to the teams. I think Josh Donaldson actually tweeted out, congratulations to all the kids drafted in rounds one through four. If you were from the Dominican, Japan, Mexico, you would have signed a $50 million contract. <laughs> yeah, Greg, did... The radio station you work for, they drafted you out of college, right? <laughs> right? You, got, you didn't get to pick. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> you know how hard radio jobs are to find? Holy jeez. <laughs> but baseball is going to go to that, and every single person who is familiar with the situation says that it is going to be a disaster. Um, you look what happened when they brought, they brought Puerto Rico into yeah. the draft, I don't know, 15 years ago now. And Puerto Rico used to pump out big leaguers. And since then, teams no longer have the incentive to go there and set up these great academies to develop their own players and establish relationships. They don't care. So the development system has stagnated. And that's the same thing that will happen in Venezuela and the Dominican Republic to a lesser degree because there are still economic reasons why those kids will always go play baseball. 
But how is that fair to the teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, where they're obviously not going to have as much of a budget to go and do these things, and the Yankee they're competing with the Yankees and and you well, know, the Red if Sox. You look, if you look over the past few years, you know the, the Royals and the Pirates and those teams have spent more money in international. I mean, Miguel Sano, who is I think still the the highest non-Cuban international, he was deciding between the Twins and the Pirates. Um. If you're if you're interested in this, I would highly recommend a documentary called uh, Pelotero, um, which is on Netflix and is about. That was going to uh, be my question. <laughs> yeah, it's is about it Miguel. It's about Miguel Sano uh, and another player and their their path to to signing. Um, really, really fascinating stuff. And his it's a soap opera with him. Um, you know, pirate scouts lied about. Uh, you know, getting him approved because people didn't think he was the right age. It's just, it's an amazing documentary. I would highly recommend it. Well, that's the other thing. When you get the international prospects, they're lying about their age, and there's just seems to be very little accountability, and, and it's a lot well, of money yeah. being thrown at 17-year-old, 18-year-old kids. Supposedly um, 17, 18-year-old kids. Well, <laughs> since since the, the Miguel Tejada and sort of that explosion of... of Guys who were found out to be too old. Um, there's been a lot of um, MLB has cleaned things up significantly down there. In, in this movie, frankly, well, Fausto uh, Cormona, the whole thing with him, yeah, <laughs> took on a complete new identity. Well, that's the the interesting thing about this documentary that I'm mentioning is um, throughout the whole thing, you know, Sano is the guy that they're saying, you know. He, there's no way you're 16. The kid is like six four, two twenty, and you know a man. And so no one believes he's 16. And they go through all these hoops. And the other kid that they're that they're tracking, who is you know an average at best prospect, winds up being an 18 year old who is now out of baseball. And he's the guy who's lying about his age. Mm-hmm. So baseball has done a much better job of enforcing that lately, but. It is still very much the Wild West, and frankly, I kind of like that because I think teams that put more effort into their scouting and their development deserve to reap the rewards. I just finished the, um, I can't can't remember the name now, no Wi-Fi, but a book on Alex Rodriguez and the whole biogenesis and the hunt for, you know, eliminating steroids and PEDs from baseball. Wait, so you're blaming you can't remember the name of the book on no Wi-Fi? Yeah, I know. Not your brain? Not my brain. (laughs) Um, Or the beers. Um, but it was very interesting, actually, because they, they documented how baseball has sort of this crack CIA or Secret Service staff at their disposal. They've hired all these ex-NYPD police officers and, and officers from around the states, and they have them at their at their disposal. And they were initially meant to be brought on as investigating steroid issues, but because they didn't really have a direct mandate or direction for that, their first you know, things that they got involved with was going to the Dominican and investigating all these kids as to what their true age was. Hmm. So they had all these ex-NYPD officers in the Dominican <laughs> basically torturing these poor kids trying to figure out how old they were. And it was, obviously, it was just a gong show. Yeah, I mean... MLB really, paid, paid these people to Paid. Do. Oh, they're oh, on salary to MLB. I mean, MLB is... You look under the surface and there's a lot of just... Issues that you're like, oh, really? You know, well, it's it, like that it, Simpsons episode. Are they watching us with satellites yeah. as well, or what, what's going on? The best part of that <laughs> of that Simpsons episode is they 
Mark McGuire shows up to distract people and <laughs> the, the punchline is who wants to see me hit dingers? Great. So yeah, they had this CIA staff down in bloody Dominican grilling 16 year olds that were maybe not 16. And so, wait, wait, hold on. You're saying LLB's not as clean as the, the reputation claims they are. I am making that claim wow. right here. Maybe the first first time ever we'd have to check other podcasts. Hot take. But <laughs> there it would you take go. a long time. The Jays were just about to offer you a job and yeah. you just screwed it right up. Way to go, Charlie. But before we go, I wanted to mention <laughs> Justin Smoke. Um, it's an odd topic to end on. I don't know, I know. I like Justin Smoke. But I like him a lot. I think he's played very well this year, and I think with Bautista back and right, it's lent a lot more balance. This is going back to your uh, how many more, you know. Are they going to win, lose, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. With him in the lineup playing first in Encarnacion, Dean who's obviously hurt still. This probably stems back to his spring training injury. Justin Smoke has done a, a pretty good job. Yeah. You know, in, in, in the meantime. And, you know, I don't I'm, think that, I'm one who will usually dismiss first base defense as being something that isn't yeah. something yeah. to really worry about. But Edwin is very bad. Yeah. And Justin <laughs> Smoke is very good. It makes a, a huge difference, especially when you've got a shortstop and a third <sighs> baseman who throws can be a little bit, I don't know, inaccurate at times. When, when you say Edwin's very bad at first, I just go back and think of when Eric Hinsky was the first baseman. And that, Edwin. to me, is like the picture of just terrible. When he was first learning first base, that was, <laughs> that was a bad time. But I think Edwin's I just probably watched Moneyball again the other night. Pick yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly hard. <laughs> I just hope they don't. They don't want to hit the ball my way. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he is very good. Smoke is smoke is very yeah. good. Colabello is a decent first baseman, and mm-hmm. it it does like like you said, you and it's not a huge. I mean, obviously they they've got the lowest on the totem pole as far as defensive value <laughs> for a reason, and you know that's why the Josh Amante pick at twelve is a bit of an odd one that he is a first baseman slash DH going forward, and a reason why. Uh-huh. That's I, Josh Naylor, not sorry, Josh Josh Naylor. And the reason why I haven't gotten overly excited about Rowdy Telez's decent season in, in Lansing thus far. You know, but at, at this level... I hate for prospects. I'm right with you. It's, it's, it's made a difference, I think, in the whole sort of makeup of the lineup. And you're right. I don't know why I, I wanted to touch on that topic briefly before we left. <laughs> you but felt you like go. it needed that's, to be that's said. That's my point. Needed to be said. Needed to be said. Oh, I I don't think it was the best thing to end with because I think we all agree with that sentiment. So, oh, you're so not we gonna need get something the, that we're going to disagree on. Yeah, it's always makes for better radio. <laughs> okay, well, which... who's going to win the Stanley Cup? Daniel Norris. Andre Vasilevsky. Do you, do you think <laughs> Daniel Norris is going to be back up by the end of the season? Oh, yeah. And make All-Star a significant oh, yeah. contribution? Well, no, it, Given it means... the fact that he has been pretty poor since he's been back in Buffalo. <sighs> yes, I, I'm going to say he's still going to be back. He'll it, definitely be back before the end of the season. Um, if he makes a positive contribution or a negative contribution, I cannot say. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> it think could be I, wildly one way or the other. No, I wasn't really all that upset with him when they sent him down. I thought mm-hmm. they sent him down a little early. I mean, his control wasn't great, but at the time, you could have made a case that he was our best starting pitcher, which is damning with very faint yeah, praise. Exactly. Velocity was at, down, though, wasn't it? Velocity was down. It yeah. was. But he'd be, if his velocity is down, that tells me he's hurt and should not be pitching. And if he's still pitching and hasn't gotten hurt again, that 
Don't worry about that. Okay, yeah. second question then. Roberto Suna, next year starting. Jeff Hoffman, we hope. Do you pick up Dickey's $12 million option? No. $12 million is a little rough. That's, that's the uh, only thing. Can you allocate that elsewhere? Uh, if, well, the say, thing is, the Jays have tons of money coming off the books. So yeah. yeah, I'd say no. Serious players. The bigger question to me is, do you qualify Mark Burley for what will probably be $13 million for one year? And the answer to that question has to be yes. Um, will he accept? I don't care. Yeah. I will gladly. I will gladly take a one-year deal on Mark Burley. I don't. I don't think he will accept, which is why you definitely have to extend it to him because you get a free draft pick. Yeah. Yeah. The John Harris, who we were just talking about, that is what we will get for Mark Burley when he declines it. And somebody um, will take Burley. Am I, am I unless last? he retires. Unless he retires. Well, yeah, which is a possibility. And my That'd last be the question, worst case scenario for the Jays. <laughs> I meant to ask this earlier when you guys were talking about names and, and Mattingly Roman in is apparently the press secretary's daughter or something like that. I'm, I hope I'm, they didn't drop the daughter. I'm quite surprised, actually, that uh, they didn't take a flyer on Tristan Pompey, who went in the 31st round to Ewan. Well, signability. Is, no idea. Yeah, he's not going to sign. He tweeted. He, he briefly tweeted, yeah. uh, see you in three years. Um, when the first round was done or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, he's not, he's not going to sign. Um, the guy that I was disappointed with was uh, uh, the Canadian who's in this draft who had gotten great reports on. Naylor, who went 12th, I... Most of the scouts I talked to said he's got great power, but he's never going to hit, so it's never going to matter. Uh, the outfielder, Demi Oromaloye, um, who's a crazy, toolsy, I think a Nigerian immigrant, uh, who went one pick before the Jays in the fourth round. Um, some guys had as a fringe first-rounder, so I was hoping that the Jays could snag him in the second or third because Tools the Outfielders is, is a prototype that they like, and I talked to a couple guys who really like his swing. But he went to the Brewers, and uh, we didn't get him. So, oh well. There you go. Oh, let's finish off on lots of Canadians taking this draft. Um, yeah, how two, many total was there? It was, there was a ton, wasn't there? I don't know. I mean, the total number doesn't matter so much because, you know, once you get past round 10, it, it really doesn't matter. Those are nothing. But... There were five very notable Canadians in this draft who we will probably see in the big leagues at some point in Naylor, uh, Oral Malloye, uh, Mike Soroka, um, I'm doing this from memory now, uh, Ryan Kellogg, who the Jays didn't sign when he was drafted, and there's one more guy, Jeff Degano. Um, Degano's the only BC kid. I believe he's from Surrey, and he was taken by the Yankees to pick after Brady Singer, wasn't he, in the second round? So yes, he was. Eighth um, overall or something? Which is very surprising because you'd think that most of those guys, I mean, one of the guys is from Alberta, which is, wow. you never see that. Um, <laughs> Soroka, who was a second-round pick. Um, so there has not been a lot of BC baseball talent coming up lately. It seems like the last few drafts have been very light on uh, BC guys, so... Well, it's, yeah, it's funny. I was listening to they had um, the uh, TSN 1040, the local sports news radio show here, um, had that guy. What was his name again? Degore. Mike Soroka. No, no, the Surrey kid. They, um, they had him yeah, on. Jeff, Jeff Degano. Yeah, they had him on, and, and they were actually discussing that. And I guess, you know, the, the, the BC Premier League 
was so successful for so long at producing these high-end baseball players that Ontario has just basically copied it carte blanche of how they ran the the upper sort of teenage years premier Good. baseball kids. And, and Ontario people are just premier athletes. Anyone uh, born in Ontario is just absolutely incredible athlete, if I boo. should say so myself. But. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's why we're seeing a shift away from BC uh, right now, which, and it, everything's cyclical, we know that. You know, it's it, uh, to me. Back. It's incredible that you could even get ball players from places like Alberta and and Ontario because there's people down in Florida that are playing baseball year round, year round, the whole year. Even not even in Florida, not even that yeah. low in the states. Well, when we had and they're playing Dawson year round. The show, he was telling us about how in in April they were clearing snow off the yeah. diamond. This he, is April. He's not playing year round. You can play maybe five months comfortably, yeah. four months comfortably, and then you're indoors, yep. and you really yeah. have to be committed to playing baseball to right. to be training indoors. That's why the, you'll see that most of the guys who most of the high school kids who were taken this year, uh, Naylor and Ormaloye, they spent most of their season in you know early in the season. They're in the Dominican Republic. They're mm-hmm. with Canada's travel team. They're moving yeah. around. Yeah, that, you have to. That you that to. program, the junior national team here in Canada, with it's Greg Hamilton, right, the coach. They've done an amazing job with putting them into a pro atmosphere right from the start. They get them down to spring training, um, playing exhibition games against, they played against the Blue Jays, they played against a, a bunch of other teams. Get murdered by the Blue Jays, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Yeah, the pro team murders a bunch of kids. Um, but it was, it was like they ran up the score. Like, yeah, they weren't even close. But, um, you, can't really, you can't really not run up the score in baseball. What do you, you get a bunt? But, but, but after that, like, after, after the teams head north, they, they stay there and they play against the rookie league teams and stuff like that. And like Ewan said, they go to the Dominican and they play against Dominican kids. So it's an excellent program and, yeah. and it's obviously producing top tier talent because the kids that aren't signing, they're not signing because they're getting full ride educations. So good for them. Good for Greg Hamilton and uh, go Canada. Yeah, go Canada tomorrow, it. women's soccer. Absolutely. Yes, that's a better note to end this on than, than Justin Smoke, but uh, no offense to Justin Smoke. There you go, yeah. That one. was much better. Let's end it on that. <laughs> Jays are now above 500. It's an exciting time. Yeah, um, what's not exciting is the fact that after all this, we get a, we get a bloody day off tomorrow. What am I going to do? <laughs> I got to work, so I'm not really, I'm not really slacking it. And they're in Boston, and then it's And then it's what? Pretty two, exciting. Two and two against the Mets, which we should get to see. Uh, are we missing? No, Syndergaard is pitching. Oh, lovely. That'll... Well, Hopefully we get Harvey, given that he's been wretched the past month or so. As Andrew Stoughton, a, a past guest, would say, the garbage clans will be out in full force when Syndergaard oh, pitches oh, against. God will they. Um, <laughs> I think I was listening to Buck and Pat, my two favorite announcers. They're missing DeGrom. Because they've got a six-man rotation now. It's four. No, so they don't. They've they've just sent. They've just gone away from the six-man rotation. Oh, okay. So, but apparently they're missing Jacob, Jacob DeGrom. So they get everybody else. They get Harvey, Syndergaard. Cologne, who's awesome. Um, you got to throw Santana at them. Just wait, go right Cologne, back at him. Wait, we are we are getting to see Cologne in in New York, right? Hopefully, I get to see Bartolo Cologne hit. Hopefully, <laughs> against Dickey or Burley or someone like that would be amazing. Uh, the works. hitters duel, <laughs> dueling banjos. Love seeing former guys. Expos get hits against the Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> He's the last one left. Him and Meister Asturias. Yeah, uh, poor Meister. Wow. Yeah. yeah, Brad Wilkerson still kicking around? No. Okay. Oh no. no. <laughs> Larry Walker's not around anymore. Uh, Pedro's on a panel somewhere. Uh, let me finish on uh, Buck and Tabby, who last <laughs> night said that if the radar gun 
was all that the people scouted, Pedro Martinez would not have even been drafted, which might be the dumbest thing that they've yeah. said, which is really saying something. Because first of all, Pedro hit 98. So <laughs> what are you talking about? It Secondly, Pedro is from the Dominican Republic. <laughs> so he was not drafted. Yeah. Um, my colleague went on a nice rant on our podcast. I think Mark is, Burley, who's right there in front of you, probably be a better example. But. Well, that was the point. They were trying to make a, they were trying to talk about oh, Burley okay. and, yeah. and uh, it was just awful. It was, it was, it made me pull my hair out. It was so bad. There really is no other comparison to Burley when you're, <laughs> when you're trying to think of other guy other than. Well, Dan Heron yeah. was pitching in the game. Dan Heron's kind of close. Yeah, There's a right that's version. So, but I'm thinking of his, historically though, that maybe Maddox? No, Maddox has, Maddox has a reputation, but he's he's Maddox was Maddox had great stuff. Yeah, and threw hard early. In he his threw career. hard early, much earlier in his career. Yeah, um, later in his career, he I, I liked, older though. I, I did like the MLB.com. I think put out a, a big poster, or whatever, online of of late round picks. And Mike Piazza was like a seventy four. Remember when it went like to a hundred rounds yeah. and oh, yeah, they would the just draft, draft their kids. Not, <laughs> you know, like, well, well, what was Pujols? You picked until you until you didn't want to pick anymore. Yeah. So Lasorda convinced the, the Dodgers because Piazza was like his brother's dog's uncle or something. I don't know what it was, but Lasorda knew Piazza somehow. And I always knew Piazza was part dog. To, to take him in the 74th round. an Italian for their team. What was, yeah, what was Pujols? He was a 50 or 40 eight, something. No, he friend. was like 18th or something. Oh, okay. He was, he was, he was mid-teens. Okay. But if you read Jonah Carey's book, The Extra 2%, there was a Tampa scout that was screaming at the Rays to take him. And they 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 finally said no, which for the Rays is you know that's right in their wheelhouse. A guy that's kind of under under scouted out of well, high that's school, a franchise altering pick yeah. possibly. And the and only thing I'll say is that that scout was yelling that he should have been taken in the seventh or eighth round. So yeah, so you're he right. thought he was all right. He didn't think he was Albert Pools. No one did. No. But yeah, and, that, and that's the beauty of the draft. What round was was Trump taken in? And Jason Parks, who was a great runner for BP. Sorry? Trout was a first-round pick. He, he was a first-round pick, but, you know, he a lot yeah. of teams bypassed him, and then you had all these, you know, prospect writers saying, uh, he's okay, he's this, that, and, you know, he's all world now, isn't yeah. he? So, Yeah, Trout was an interesting situation because the year he came out, as we were talking about cold-weather areas, he's out of New Jersey, and it was the coldest winter they'd had, <laughs> so no scouts really got a chance to see him. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes that happens. Oh, they blew it. <laughs> it's an inexact science scouting. The best so. part of the best part of the Mike Pro draft pick is when the Angels took him, they had two consecutive draft picks and they took Randall Grychuk, who is now playing pretty well for the Cardinals, uh before Mike Trout. So <laughs> the card I mean, even the Angels didn't think he was They probably flipped a coin, okay? <laughs> who goes first here? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Ewan. Let me throw out the plugs. We yeah. uh, we we did a whole ton of work on the draft from you know uh, draft boards, so you can see where all of the rankers rated all the guys who we took um, profiles on all the guys. I will have a scouting notebook up. All of the guys? No. Well, <laughs> I read I read the the two later round pieces you guys put up today, and it it says. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll get them up when we get them. Yeah. But you know, not all those players obviously have profiles. Yeah, just yet. they summarize the, the later rounds quite yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, and um, and then I should have a my dramatic podcast return away from your guys' podcast. And thanks, guys, for. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, Sorry, we don't two, plug other podcasts uh, on no. this podcast. Doing a mid-season prospect check-in probably next week uh, with a couple of my favorite scouts from Baseball Perspectives doing that. So check go. it out. Any, anything else in the burner for articles? Every Monday I write the minor league update. So if you're interested in Jay's minor league articles, I do it every Monday. And you'll tweet it out at Mentalk? At Mentalk all the time. M-E-N-T-O-C-H is yeah. where you find them. Yeah, and I've got something upcoming about the Canadians roster based on the draft, um, looking at the top five picks, who we're going to see, and then I'll have something else about the rest of the picks. And then obviously Monday, we get to meet them anyways, which, as always, it's two-thirds to three-quarters of the roster because they'll be waiting for the draft picks to show up and, and fill out the roster, but that should hey, be fine. That's, Mon- that's Monday? Monday the 15th. They're here. Whew, nice. Are you, you going to be grabbing some audio for us? I will be trip? grabbing some audio, so that will be the next podcast. We'll be, uh, Lane Thomas! Lane Thomas! As much audio from <laughs> as I can. Um... John Schneider, Jim Sykowski, Dave Pano, I tell you what, he's not the best interview in the world. Love him as a guy, but I probably won't be grabbing audio from him. <laughs> not an uh, entertaining listen? Nah, he's just, yeah, he's a bit more, he just wants to talk hitting, and it's very scientific. So, uh, Lane, King Lane Thomas, uh, Clinton Holland, and you never know, hopefully one of these guys that, um, that we talked about today. You can find him at Charlie Kasky, C-A-S-K-E-Y. Yeah. And you can find me at Greg Ballock, B-A-L-L-O-C-H, unless you just want to follow me for my goaltending tweets. And the, and the odd quip about Buck and Pat is normally what I go for. <laughs> and Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, I went on a bit of a tear today about Andre Vasilevsky. I'm right with you on that. <laughs> go Andre Vasilevsky. I missed it, actually, but I think he's good. Am I on the right page? You are on the right yes! page. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> you, you agree with my tweets. Yeah. but. Uh, I've been going on about him for a long time. Yeah, yeah we saw him with Lafia a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's... You're thinking of somebody else. Uh, against Canada? You're off the page. That's Gudlevsky's, the other the other prospect for Tampa. This is the guy that oh, was this drafted is the Russian, yeah, with first the free, round with two the years ago. Post to post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. He's not a hockey podcast, guys. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let's <laughs> shut it down. Your hip will explode when you see how he uh, positions himself on the yeah. post. That's that's a story for another podcast. You're right. Ewan, yeah. as always, great to have you. I'm sure you'll be the fourth uh, the first, fourth time ever guest on this show, <laughs> unless unless we can find somebody else. Um, but uh, we look forward to uh, to hearing your your podcast, and uh, yep. we'll catch up soon. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, thanks a lot, Ewan. and thanks for listening to the Your Van Seas podcast.